Welcome, darling, to the Mystical Mama podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Rose, astrologist, conscious parenting advocate, light code keeper, self-care lover, creatrix of the Mystical Mama community, and a Mystical Mama-to-be. If you're tuning in today, you're probably like me, seeking ways to grow and help repair and nurture yourself, while also caring for your babies and your families. Here on the Mystical Mama podcast, you'll receive conscious raising conversations on the motherhood journey, astrology, self-care, spirituality, so much more so that you feel inspired to nurture you and your family's multidimensionality. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a really fascinating conversation. If you're familiar with human design, uh, this is for you. We're going to not cover the basic space by thickly, uh, but it's incorporating and using human design from the perspective through pregnancy and motherhood. My guest today is Libby Hoffman, who is a holistic wellness guide, and she specializes in human design and the founder of Modern Homemaker. She's a loving wife of 12 years, mother of two boys, and she's soon to be a published children's author. And her mission is to help you feel connected to your life, to make a home for your soul no matter who you are. And that's what Modern Homemaking is all about. That's her brand. And she provides inspired guidance and heart-led tools for women and mamas ready to shift from feeling unfulfilled to overflowing with ease. And Libby Hoffman actually goes into my human design chart as an example of what I will need throughout my pregnancy, even my labor and delivery and postpartum, and in my motherhood journey and how she incorporates human design from her experience as a mama and how she is and enacts mysticism or the spirituality as a mother herself. And uh, she, she learned about human design after she had kids and she realized how impactful this could be to help her and nurture her own self, but also to help nurture and encourage her kids to bloom and grow and not presuppose and project their, her own stuff onto her kids. And that is the hope of human design generally is like, how can we decondition and not impose our own conditionings and societal conditionings as much on each other and on our children and the next generation. But we're curating the conversation to be specific about how can we really encourage parents to use this modality as an awareness tool for themselves and nurture themselves, but also for their own kiddos. So this will be really fascinating. And if you're unfamiliar with human design, I encourage you to go seek out the rabbit hole and get maybe just a, a very basic understanding of what human design is all about. And then this might be another deeper layer that you can go into in the conversation. Even if you don't really understand all the concepts, it's okay. And just go with the flow and enjoy this really thought-provoking conversation on how we can use human design in our motherhood journey. I'm very excited just to connect with you, A. And it's nice to like, just have your woo-woo sisters with you. (laughs) 
yes having fun conversations and uh, I'm really curious about your perspective on how we can put on your like glasses with human design uh, around pregnancy and uh, motherhood with human design uh, and whatever and then how that's contributing to your new new book that's coming out soon or is it just in like pre-production phase yeah so well first of all I'm super excited to be here so thank you so much for inviting me to share in this conversation with you and to share with your audience so I'm super excited and I want to thank you and yeah so just to answer your question about the book so I have a new children's book it's called we are all light and it is basically kid-friendly human design knowledge and it's really just a reminder for us all not just children but for us all that we have this innate light that is so powerful and it's always inside of us and it's an eternal light it's an internal and eternal light so um it's all just about empowerment and um, making sure that human design which is a super complicated system as i know that you know and some of the listeners might know already but um just like astrology can get super complicated as well and um it's just another tool to make it simple and to make sure that the knowledge is passed on so that future generations can know themselves as who they are and who they were created to be from the moment they were born so that's so um, sweet i love you. it thank you i love that message and even just learning the basics of human design few years ago I loved the basic premise that it was about us helping to be deconditioned from societal expectations I was about to say societal conditioning but that's just redundant <laughs> societal programming so that we can really be just more of who we were meant to be like our soul's expression uh and astrology also helps us get there human design incorporates astrology except with a lot of other um, modalities all fused in and I'm like, whoa, you can go down so many rabbit holes with human design. Um, before we really dive into human design, I'm curious, what was your sun, moon and rising in your astrology chart? Yeah. So I'm happy that you asked me that. Um, I have some really interesting placements actually in my, in my astrology and with my family as well. It's really cool to see the synchronicities. Mm -hmm. um, so my big three, I'm Aquarius, Leo rising, and my moon is in Libra. And I have Venus and Mars and Aries. So <clears throat> there's some <laughs> things happening there. And also everyone in my immediate family. So myself, my partner, and our two sons all have Venus and Aries. So mm. <laughs> that is a, an area that I feel like we are, it's kind of like our collective karma <laughs> to learn how to move gracefully and to, um, you know, manifest our true desires in this lifetime. I feel like together having that quote unquote difficult placement of Venus and Aries. So mm, that, is, that is really fascinating when I've done 
generational charts or even just mother and child or even mother and or person and business because your business Mm -hmm. is your baby too there's always some link uh somehow they really do synchronize together like one helps to offset the other or there is a tie between like venus signs or your rising is their moon and so it, it it does all connect in the end and that's I find I'm found, I when I discovered that I'm like wow oh, that's fascinating guys ah oh. or like the parent was like a Virgo right uh, Virgo rising with the North Node in Pisces and their child's like a Pisces stellium and uh, oh Darcy agrees um, and it's just so I really really enjoy the family dynamics of astrology as well. Mm-hmm. Are the dogs really that annoying right now? <laughs> oh, puppies and uh, Venus and Aries. I, I would imagine too, like there, it might help too with like how you all love on each other, uh-huh. have that commonality. Like it's all relative, can all be expressed in similar ish ways, or you all might really enjoy like moving your bodies together as a way mm-hmm. of like family bonding or expressing self love and love with you can in connection with each other. Um, and also just self-care, which is nice. Like it's not super opposite, even yeah. though you all might want to just do your own thing. And that might be also what, how it gets expressed too. I'm, I'm just curious, is that a commonality like movement or kineticism and individuality? Yeah, I would say, um, more what you said about how we love on each other, like we definitely all have very big emotions and big um, hearts. Um, so it's like, it's, it's very much that Mars energy where we love in a big way, but when we're upset, we're also upset in a big yeah, way. Yeah, it's like, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck right now. Yes. Yeah, like so really, I, I can imagine babies with really big tantrums. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Explosive I, I, and fast. Yeah. I joke that my second son who's four now he had I I swear to you he had temper he had temper tantrums from the time he was born like yeah he was like weeks old and he would start like with like the head head back yeah Yeah. throwing his head back stiffening his body like Mm -hmm. it was insane to see that express it can be it can be really early I haven't seen that early of a stage but definitely an infancy baby stage I'm like uh you're you're, you're tantruming right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that yeah. I had that with one boy that you took care of. I'm like, holy crap. And then it, it and then it explodes really fast, but then yeah. they'll come down after like 10 minutes, really yes. pretty and fast. They won't hold on forever. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, going back to that Aries energy is really uh, honoring that and each other and giving ourselves and each other space to let that release. And so that we're not like trying Mm -hmm. to fix it immediately Uh because that just creates even more resistance. Absolutely. And and that, it, it, that also synchronizes with myself, excuse me. And my two sons were, we are all emotional authorities in human design. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we have those big emotions. And um, so that's another area we really try to, my husband and I try to 
let our kids express those emotions without, you know, creating that resistance that just makes it worse and making sure that we all are on the same page and that we honor emotions for what they are. And we don't, um, you know, label them as good or bad. And it's just mm-hmm. what you're feeling right now. Yeah. The conscious parenting movement and shift in paradigm around emotional regulation and intelligence. I'm just so freaking happy with our generation, like really taking the, the whatever the thing, the, the thing you grab in those races, like we are really holding, I forget what the word is. That sick the thing. baton, <laughs> the baton, we're taking the baton and like really shifting the paradigm to finally work. We're the, like these big trauma, uh, healers and generational healers, especially around emotional. And I think that's the big theme of our generation with parenting and caretaking. Like we're finally, we realize how resistance and stuck and gaslit our emotions were. And we are really changing how we choose to parent more consciously, like allowing emotions to come forward, especially if you have um, very big emotion child or even boys, especially because we've mm-hmm. socially been constructed to not, to just toughen up. And we're like, finally being these change makers and, uh, radical parents, which I am so happy to hear. And I knew you'd be that way. Cause <laughs> I feel like, especially those of us that are spiritually mystically inclined, we are already sort of oriented toward conscious parenting and respectful or gentle parenting concepts and they're intermingled, but I want to be able to blend the conversations uh, because I, I don't see it happening. I just see like we either are just mystical and we meditate together or <laughs> my dog has a big cone on his head right now because he's chewing on his butt. So he's like <laughs> hitting everything or we're just in more of the scientific evidence-based part of like psych- child psychology with like gentle parenting. I'm like but they all can, they can all intersect. So yeah. that's why I love having these conversations. I'm curious too, before we really dive into the human design stuff, how has it been as a spiritually inclined and healer being, being a mystical mama? Like what is, how do you incorporate that into your daily motherhood or even with your own like pregnancy journey? I'm just, wherever you want to take it. uh, I'm curious how it is for you as an experienced mystical mama. While I'm having mystically mommying other people's children, I'm currently (laughs) pregnant. I have not necessarily gotten like the opportunity to do it my way fully with my own child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) that's okay. I think I'm going (coughs) to we're both dealing with all of the the things that come with the winter time. uh, Ah. (laughs) So, um, Yeah, I have actually been a really spiritual person my entire life. And I think that I lost it a little bit, um, you know, like in my early twenties, like coming out, going into college and coming out and like joining the quote unquote real world. And, um, I think so many of us, especially women, we feel like that spiritual side of us is like this childhood thing. And then we kind of like, at least for me, this is what happened. I kind of like put that to the side because I thought it was like 
subconsciously, I felt like it was like a childish thing that I didn't need as an adult. So, but then um, it was really hard for me to get pregnant. And so I really turned back to my spirituality at that time, like uh, my mid twenties. And I really delved back into journaling and deeper prayer and um, connecting to who I was at that soul level and starting to explore more of the spiritual tools and, um, you know, holistic self-care and all of those things that I hadn't been doing, um, you know, prepping, also prepping for pregnancy, hope, hoping that I would get pregnant, um, doing yoga, you know, things like that for my body. And, um, so I felt really, really good spiritually and, um, before. And I finally got pregnant after just over two years. And, um, I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was so ready to be a mother because I felt so strong spiritually. And I felt so whole. I think when I was pregnant, like I've just felt like so complete, like having a child that I was nurturing inside my body and feeling almost like I was chosen, you know, because I was finally pregnant. So honestly, that created a lot of blind spots in other areas of my life um, that caused a lot of darkness and postpartum for me because I was, I thought I was ready and I, um, you know, did all of the things for, for baby that they tell you, you have to have, you know, all the baby shower stuff and all, you know, all the material stuff that baby doesn't care about. Yeah. All the products. And, um, you know, I really wasn't prepared for the, the pain of childbirth, um, really labor. Um, I actually had with my first son, I had like backwards labor where my contractions started, my water broke and my contractions started at two minutes apart, like super strong and heavy, um, before I even made it to the hospital. Um, and I wasn't fully prepared physically for being prepared to ask for the support that I needed being, um, prepared emotionally and mentally. Those were the big things that I wasn't prepared for. You know, you can, you can really be like the strongest, um, most woo (laughs) woman, but if you're not prepared to ask for support and to know, um, have a deeper emotional intelligence and to know like the warning signs for depression and all of those kind of things, then there's going to be blind spots that you have that you don't really have a full holistic support system in place for yourself. So it was really, really hard for me, my first postpartum. And I think also because I had such, uh, I had set myself up for this anticipation of like this blissful motherhood when the baby, when my baby finally came and then it wasn't like that. And so that really, um, I wouldn't say it was like a disappointment, but it was more just like a shock. It was very like traumatic. I feel like that, 
um, those expectations weren't met. Um, you know, those false expectations really. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was really hard for me. I was really disconnected, um, in postpartum in the spiritual side. And, um, I felt like it was like, I didn't know, I didn't really know my new baby and I didn't really know myself anymore. Um, so it was very foggy and, um, just dark. It was like a dark time in my life. And so, um, I actually, the second time I got pregnant, um, I was able to move through that. I, I did eventually, um, when my first son was, um, he was about nine, between eight and nine months old. Um, I had an emergency appendectomy and I was in the hospital for almost a week. So that was like another Trump, a layer of this physical trauma that I experienced and emotional and mental being separated from my baby and my family for almost a week and being in extreme pain and all of that. So I think for me personally, that was another layer that um, was unique to me, um, but it definitely affected my experience in a deep way. Um, again, to ground in that lesson that I have to be prepared at that holistic level to really thrive and to, um, you know, cover all of those blind spots in a way. So, um, but yeah, I ended up, um, diving deeper into my physical care and nourishing food and, um, deeper self-care. And then whenever I got pregnant with my second son, it was really quick. So it was kind of a surprise. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think the lesson that I learned there was to really choose every moment and to remember that there is magic in every moment and that I can thrive through the pregnancy and through postpartum when I'm supported and, um, to not just rush through it and to not just assume that, oh, you know, you're going to have a newborn baby, that it's going to be, it's going to be terrible and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be like something that you just want to like get through, like just focus mm -hmm. on the light at the end of the tunnel and get through it. And then you can get back to like normal life after, you know, your baby's older. Um, I, I learned that, like, I didn't want to, I saw myself, I noticed myself like numbing and just having that, that unhealthy mindset of just wanting to get through it and not, um, choosing that magic in every moment. So, um, and then I still didn't have human design in my life. I found human design or human design found me. I like to say, um, in 2018. So I've been using human design, um, with myself and my clients and my family for just over three years now. And as soon as I found out about myself and I looked up my family's designs, so much of my struggles that I had um, in postpartum and in, um, you know, having an infant, those infant times 
so much of that could have been alleviated if I just simply knew like some basics of my design and my children's designs and my partner's designs to see how we can harmonize and really truly support each other in the most Mm -hmm. beneficial ways. And same thing with my kids. Um, And so that is why once I um, also studied the design of pregnancy, I just knew that there had to be guidance for women who, and um, mother identifying people that want to have that magic. They don't, they don't want this time, this really special transition from pregnancy through motherhood into that fourth trimester and beyond, they don't want it to be something that they just rush through and they're just done with. They want it to be a part of the whole beautiful process and to stay connected, not just physically, not just emotionally, not just spiritually, but to have that holistic approach so that they can really thrive. And I think that everybody deserves that. I think that every child deserves that because like, you know, when we take care of ourselves, that has compounding effects for those people that we take care of and that care for us. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) What's your human design? So I'm a two, four projector with emotional Uh authority. So I have that natural guidance in me as a strength um, and I'm emotional as we already kind of talked about, Um, but I don't have that consistent energy, that consistent sacral energy. And that's a huge, a huge, um, you know, area for resistance in pregnancy and uh, postpartum is you know, pushing yourself beyond your limits physically, not asking for the help that you really need in order to function, to just basically function, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people pleasing with really every type, especially as a mother too. And, um, you know, setting the boundaries for other people's opinions and not trusting your own instincts. So- yeah. Yeah, that's a huge thing for projectors because we know, we know our needs. We know what is, if we're tuned into ourselves, we know, you know, what decisions we need to make and what is right for us or not. And it's really having that validation and um, self-acceptance and confidence to, to honor all of that for ourselves. And I know you are a manifesting generator. I am. I am a manifesting generator. Six to profile. um, Sacral authority. Uh, So in theory, I should have from the basics of whatever all of the other human design people are like, you have lots of energy to make blah, blah, blah happen, but you're going to do it in your own way. And uh but that's definitely, I don't know. I've definitely noticed in the first trimester, uh, which is common, which is how usually the phase works. It's like barely, barely any bandwidth. I just, I could nanny and then I could come home and be in my little cuddle corner, nauseous and read books to help me like deal with the physical 
uncomfortableness basically. And then, yeah, soon after the second trimester, energy picked up. And then I started getting almost into this like manic cleaning mode. Mm. Once the nausea um, subsided, I'm like started getting into like these little, like little areas that I had not cleaned in years, like my side table, my bedside table, like getting into there. And then I made like an altar for pregnancy, uh, reorganizing the closets, things like that. Cause I'm like, I know this is going to, plus I know in my head, like, I know what it's going to be like postpartum or close to when the baby comes and this shit needs to get starting to get into new spots. Uh, so we don't get overwhelmed later on. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective, can you just do your thing now? <laughs> like, do your human design <laughs> like, what do I need to know for myself as a, for human design as a mother? Here, I'm going to let my dog outside. Okay. I'm like acting out. Go on. Don't just stare at the door. You're not stuck. Go on. Go on. <clears throat> oh my gosh. He wanted to go outside. Now he's like, just standing in front of the door. Oh my word. Come here. Animals sometimes just want attention. I think. I take this, your cone off now now go go potty <laughs> my word. this is the part that's gonna be edited take a sip of water <laughs> yeah drink my water go on. go on there you go you want it out you've been staring at the door oh my word they've definitely been prepping me for like postpartum like <laughs> Um, infancies period because they've been waking me up at night often oh. throughout the week like every two to three hours plus then I have to pee so it's like oh my gosh between licking or like bouncing on the bed like a jelly bean I'm like are you serious mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's I'm like are you guys prepping me or something <laughs> I just won't That's be up funny. as long <laughs> I wonder uh, if they know do they oh, act like no. they? What I feel like the older dog captain, he's been following me more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to the bath, like this past week, he went inside the bathroom. He hasn't done that in a while. Like he's, it feels like he's guarding me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really, like, I keep wondering, like, do you know? Do you know? Are mm-hmm. you like go- trying to protect me uh, or something? Mm-hmm. I've, so I, in my head, it's cute. <laughs> but the, I don't know. The nighttime routine is really old right now. Can you remind me how many weeks you are? I am 20. Let me double check 23 or did I just turn 24? Let me find my app. I'm like a little off on time right now. 23 and a half weeks. Okay. So going on. Yeah. So on Friday, I'll be 24 weeks. Okay. So you'll be going into the third trimester here in a few more weeks. Yeah. Basically near the beginning of the month is when I, yeah. When, when I, when we go to Kauai, that's when I'll like start to, okay. that's when in the six month mark will shift and then be in the third okay. trimester. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, Chris, this is like the only time I'm feeling good to fly. Like mm-hmm. past that, I don't feel comfortable because anything can happen. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so that's plan. That would be really cool if your design date happens when you're in Hawaii. Oh yeah, because so, you're the human. Okay, and go. Because <laughs> 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 the pregnancy design date 
isn't like the 120th day, like in yoga or yogic practices about spirit coming in through it's like three months prior. It is third trimester. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, um, it roughly syncs up with the beginning of the third trimester. And that's because it is actually calculated retroactively from the birth date. Yeah. In human design, in human design knowledge, um, we were told from the voice of Ra of, that spoke to Ra, who was the messenger of human design, um, that there is a set period for the first trimester, basically the first stage of pregnancy, which is from conception through 88 degrees of the sun. And then there's this like mystery period that is hypothesized to still be developing for us as humans, um, figuring out like how long that period actually is, is difficult because that that's the period that can be different for different people. But the last stage when um, the soul basically comes into the vehicle, the body is the design date. And that's always 88 degrees of the sun before birth, because mm-hmm. from that time until birth is that certain 88 degree period, just like the first stage. So that's why it's calculated retroactively from the birth date. So when you have your baby, you'll know the design date. So you can't, you can't know the design date until um, the baby's born so that you, then you can calculate that date. But um, yeah, so a lot of times you um, women, you might have like, um, like a feeling that it's different because the design has been imprinted now. And there's, you're basically experiencing that energy now because it's been imprinted. So the baby's body, the vehicle has been, um, infused with the soul. The soul's there now. So, um, or you might have like with one of my, um, sons, I had like a really interesting dream. So it might be like a dream for you or just like this intuitive knowing, or, um, just a feeling, you know, something. So just like between the 24 and 26 week period, you can kind of watch out, be extra aware, maybe keep a dream journal. That would be a great thing to do. If you don't already is to write down your dreams as soon as you wake up. Um, cause it would be fun to go back and see if any of those things that might happen or those feelings that you get might correspond with the exact design date. Yeah. That's something fun you can do. And that's the design dates. Also what we have in our own personal charts. Like it's one of the columns, right? On either side of the graph. When you're looking at your body graph, you'll see the two columns of numbers. Those are your gate definitions. And on the left side, all of the gates are in red. So that's what we Mm -hmm. call the design or the body. That's your vehicle. That's when you're 
your body was imprinted. And that's the three months the womb. roughly yeah. prior. Yes. Ah, yeah. That's what I thought. Just wanted that's to when you're in the womb. Yeah. And then um, the birth date, the conscious personality side is the other column on the right, which is all in black. So um, sometimes you might hear that, like I said, referred to as design or personality mm -hmm. um, or unconscious and conscious. Okay. Got it. Connecting the dots. Yeah. And so um, I know going back to like your nesting uh, feeling, your nesting phase <laughs> that you've gone through, I know that we had chatted before about your second line and your profile. So the second mm -hmm. line is the hermit. Yes. And I feel like um, that probably plays into that nesting um feeling that you have too, because you really like to have your own space. You're going to probably have a heightened awareness of that too. Like once baby is here, it'll be really important for you to have some kind of time alone, completely alone every yeah. day, even if it's like 20 minutes in a room, just like by yourself, but having animals even and people outside of your aura space so that you feel like it's your own little cave and you can just. That reminds me of my 12th house moon. Yeah. That reminds me of the 12th yeah. house moon. I have in my astrology chart, like needing that solitude will be important and uh, making sure that's a part of my emotional and physical self-care mm -hmm. uh, yeah, every day, yeah. every single day. Like I said, whether that's 10 minutes or an hour, just like make sure that it's a non-negotiable every day that will, that will improve your well-being. like, or like ways. a bath. Like yeah. if I, if I haven't torn or anything, um, I could see like having like an intentional bath time or something, but yeah, I've been conscious that I am that way too. Anyway, that I do, I get super sensitive to other people's energies. So I've been trying to plan it out that during delivery and postpartum, like it's going to be very small shifts of people. They cannot stay at the house, uh, setting up those boundaries early. And like, uh, I'm going to have the bare minimum of people around for delivery. Cause I know I'll probably want to be like in the dark with candles or at least like battery operated candles and just like be like an a primal animal, just feeling into my, listening to shamanic music and like headphones and just like <laughs> moving my body and being like, don't touch yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm well, like I said, I'm a two, four. So that second so line, really, you know that four. yeah, that is very, um, I'm very aware of it. It's my personality profile side. So, um, I remember with my first son, he was born in the afternoon and all morning they had kept the, the curtains closed in my room. And then like, maybe like one, it was like an hour. It was like within the hour that he was born when I was getting ready to push and they like opened the curtain. And I was like, no, no, I was no, like, I they, I was like, I don't even want like a sliver of light. I was like a sliver of light will be even worse. Cause it feels like it's just like blinding blinding but like yeah. hormonally that disrupts the contraction cycle 
because like we do need like primarily hormonally speaking, mm-hmm. I've been learning like the dark helps boost oxytocin, which is what gotcha. you need to help you contract more. So it makes more sense. Like why a lot of women need, uh, and pregnant people need uh, interventions in hospitals. Cause it's like blinding bright light all the time so that yeah. the, they can see what's going on. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I need it. I need it actually physically darker. And that's how we feel a bit more safe too, to like be in that vulnerable mm-hmm. state. And also just even the metaphor, like it probably even reminds us of the womb itself, like being in that dark, even red tone. Like if you have like little flames or like red lights, like reminds us of being in that portal in that womb. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking back about it, but it's, it's all linked up. This, yes. Holistically speaking, it all links up. So I feel you on that. And that's great to hear just even like that tip alone, like make sure you get hermit time. Like that is not just bullshit for you. Right. Like you need that some solitude every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will take that into account. <laughs> what else do I need to know for myself being a manifesting generator or whatever else you see, however you want to take the chart. Yeah, I don't know if you, so- if you do it by type or more by like the, the not the gates, the, um, all the things, <laughs> the channels and, and, uh, I can't remember the word right now, but all the, the, centers, the big blocks, maybe? the centers. Yeah. <laughs> like the big blocks, those big shapes. What are those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many, it's so funny because yeah, all of the, just looking at it can be visually overwhelming. So if anybody out there is new to human design, don't let that like overwhelm you just start with your type and your authority if you can, and then dive deeper into all of the shapes and the numbers and set in the, the lines dive into that as you can. But, um, yeah, so one of the things actually at your center level um, that I wanted to touch on was your undefined solar plexus. So mm-hmm. when you have, um, and for anybody out there, um, that's the center that um, like on Alyssa's chart, she has her sacral in red, which is the square. And then to the right of that, there's a triangle and that's the solar plexus, which is our emotional center. So for Alyssa, you are undefined because it's not colored in. Yeah. And which just means that you don't have a consistent way of experiencing deep emotions. So you don't have a consistent pattern to your emotions. Um, And unless you link up with somebody else um, that's in your auric field or with the transits as the planets and things move um, through and and define those gates that might match up with you. So for you, because you have this inconsistent way of handling emotions, that's another reason to... um, you know, have that time for yourself where you can be alone and really feel into what you're feeling and what's actually coming from outside of yourself um, and be able to have that emotional intelligence to know, okay, that's actually what they're feeling. And I don't have to fix this. I'm just going to let that person feel this. I'm just going to reflect that back to them 
in a healthy way um, and not take that on as my own or take it on like I have to fix it and make it go away or feel like you have to avoid it. Um, so that's another reason, again, to have that hermit release time when you can release that energy from other people. And then um, during labor, actually, it'll be really important for you to have some support or just a, a breathwork practice in place mm -hmm. to keep you focused on the way you want to be breathing and regulating your body in that way for labor to make it easier for you, making sure that you are processing that breath and using that as a tool for you to labor. Um, because people with undefined solar plexus also don't have a consistent way of breathing, of detoxifying through um, the body in that way. So it's really important um, for you to have that in place prior so that you can just fall into that consistent rhythm for yourself. Um, so anybody with an undefined solar plexus, that's a big area that you can focus on, um, especially if you're going to have like an unmedicated birth or mm -hmm. um, you're going to be laboring at home where um, you're going to want either your partner or doula or midwife or whoever it is that's partnering with you in the labor to help you breathe in whatever way it is that you've already committed to so that you can use that as a beneficial tool, like I said. Um, That's now, really interesting. Because um, I already like have set up the boundaries like in my head because I know from my early days in opera and auditioning that mm -hmm. I pick up on other people's project. I, I can be, they're, I'm to pour us to their emotions. So if they're anxious, I will feel even more anxious. Mm -hmm. Like I remember driving to an audition with my mom and her anxiety for me, I picked up on it and it's like all that jittery energy she has. And I know that she will have that similar energy to, for the, for the labor. So I know it's, it had been traditional, like for mothers to be a part of it. And I'm like, so I, I early on, she's like, do you want me there? I'm like, actually, I'll probably want you there after to support me. Cause I know I'll really need you like to help me with the house or like just cooking me meals would be really more supportive for me than in the delivery room. Cause I know I'll be porous to that jittery and also maybe fear-based energy. And I don't want to absorb any, as little fear as possible from the people around me. And from all my mental prep work for, um, for the birth, it, I have noticed like my big thing that I will be relying on is like my, is my breath work practice. And like, I'm very grateful for having that singing background because I know how to breathe deeply. Mm -hmm. And from my yoga background too, because like, that's what I taught a lot was like how to breathe slow and deep. I'm like, oh, and that's a lot of what part of the, how to work through the, the deep contractions is like those deep diaphragmatic breaths that are slow. Um, and so I have that tool in my toolbox. And that's really cool to hear that like that specific tool is going to be more beneficial for you than just like visualize yourself in the ocean and blah, blah, blah. Cause I I'm like, okay, I get you. But I, from everything I've been gathering, I'm like, to me, the breath work is probably breath work and like, like somehow letting myself do primal yoga kind of movement. And like that I've been seeing, I'm like, oh, okay. I know how to do yeah. those things. I just have to apply it here. Okay, cool. 
but that's really affirming to hear. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing that you have that vocal training because that's really, Mm -hmm. that's really cool and affirming for me to see your human design, you know, affirm what you're already doing. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, it's really cool because any of the undefined centers that you have, any of your openness anywhere in your chart Mm-hmm. is where you are here to be wise and to learn. And so it's really cool to see that, that, that breath work, that like, um, that way of breathing and controlling the breath is something that you have learned. And that's an area of wisdom for you. So that's really cool. Oh, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, applicable for businesses. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then just to share. So if you have a defined solar plexus, that means that there is a way that you are already strong and consistent in processing your own breath and breathing. So you are kind of the opposite where you just want, you just need support and to be able to breathe in however way it is you're already comfortable breathing. Even if that's like, and like holding your breath for a second and then letting it out. Cause I find that I do that. And I remember with my first, um, with my first son, they were like, they kept saying, breathe, breathe. Cause they thought I was holding my breath, but it was just the way that I breathe. And when I'm like in that strenuous, you know, physical yeah. strenuous activity. And so because the last thing you want is to try to interrupt that natural process that a defined solar plexus has, because then what's going to happen? You're going to create resistance and then you're going to create an emotional trigger because they're going to get impatient. And then that's just going to like interrupt their emotions even more. So it's really important to just you know, it doesn't matter whatever. It's just more important to be comfortable, to make them really comfortable, to eliminate emotional triggers as much as possible. So just like you were saying with your mother, that would also be something that a defined solar plexus might want to think about is looking at what type of emotional wave they have and really thinking about that and having awareness on okay, this is the type of emotional wave that I have. This, these are the typical triggers that I would have. So what are the things that I can, you know, realistically eliminate so that I can create more ease through this labor process and not set myself up for a bunch of triggers that are going <laughs> to be not beneficial for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see what else I'm looking at your chart. Um, another thing that I noticed, and I don't know if you know, do you know your digestion profile in human design? Um, is that like what Zoe, not Zoe just know. <laughs> the human design Zoe, she like, I think on her website profile might have it on there and yeah. I've looked at it once and it said something like you actually do better with some stimuli like listening to music or even 
okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the whole title was though. Maybe you have um, the high sound. Was it sound? I can look it up. Um, I know that. Well, I saw that from your chart. I know that you are a quad left. So that means you have all um, strategic or active variables like in your environment, in your digestion. So whatever digestion you have, it's one of the like high or active. It's not a passive um, digestion. Um, But I thought that was interesting. So that would be something that um, and when you're looking at your chart, the variables are those arrows around Mm, the head mm -hmm. area yeah, on your chart. Okay. okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you're looking at your chart, Alyssa, you'll see, they all point to the left. So that's why I said you're a quad left. That's just what we call it when they all. Okay. Okay. And so, um, I, I personally don't, this is like a high level, higher, deeper level of human design that I really don't get into too much with a client unless they are like you have this configuration where they're all pointing one way because it becomes like this extra layer to mm-hmm. embody um because it's so focused um yeah. and so for you that means that you have all of these active variables so that means like you're going to need more activity more stimulation like you said more um even like physical food, like you need to be taking in more, um, to stay healthy, to create more flow in your body and for, um, your cognition and your mental processing to flow as well. Interesting. So for you, it's actually, and this kind of can go into your manifesting generator energy as well, where it is actually healthy for you to have like a more constant, um, where you're like just being more strategic with like, um, maybe you want to have like regular set meal times every day or, um, more structure, you know, to your routine and to, um, how you eat, how you take in because digestion and human design is not just what you're eating, but it's everything that you're taking in. So the way you learn, the way you listen and take in information. So Uh that's why, like, if you have that high sound digestion, then it's it's high sound, sounds and music. Yeah. So it actually benefits you to have like some louder, more active things, sounds happening for you so that you can take in that information or that food, which is just information for our bodies, um, in a more easeful way. And so that you can process that better. So, um, that's something that you might want to experiment with after having a newborn, because obviously with a newborn and especially depending on their design on their mm-hmm. individual design, um, you want to be able to balance honoring that more active, that stimulating environment when you're eating and digesting information with also honoring theirs. Maybe they have low sound or maybe they, um, you know, they might have, um, 
cold thirst digestion and then the, the environment doesn't matter as much. Um, but so those are just like little things that you can experiment with for yourself so that you can really honor again, your design and who you're here to be while also honoring your child. Yeah. So for example, um, would this like be applicable to like in like the labor and delivery, like, like how I mentioned, like I, I can, I see myself like having headphones and just like listening to like that deep drumming shamanic sounding music, like Mm -hmm. as a a way to help me breathe and move my body like that, that stimuli Mm -hmm. versus just like it being completely quiet. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something that you could try. And the thing about human design with, and with all systems, it doesn't even have to be human design. Remember that you, it's always your choice. So yeah, start, if you try that, like when you're in labor and it, and you don't, it doesn't feel good, then stop doing it. You know, you can always like, these aren't like rules to live your life. It's just ideas to see like what your natural mechanics are and how you can create more ease, how you can probably create more ease and minimize that resistance. So, yeah, I love that idea of using the headphones to really, um, focus that sound for you. And going back to the, the thing you said about moving your body, I love that too, because you have that sacral energy defined. And so that really, um, I don't remember that primal, I think is what the word mm-hmm. they used, right. That like primal movement, I think would be really beneficial for you to help you maybe not even necessarily like labor, like better or faster, but it will help you feel more like yourself, which can only help. Right. Because Mm -hmm. that's what this is also about is creating that, um, those circumstances for yourself as much as possible, where you are going to feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. more yourself so that, um, you can have that experience as yourself and have that more authentic experience, which will be more satisfying and more rewarding. Yeah. And also for other, what's another example with high sound, um, with digestion? Like I know for myself, I attend to, when I caretake, sometimes I do need like the environment, like I I'm sensitive to that. They can get overstimulated really easily. The children, um, but sometimes I need my brain to be stimulated. So I like have one ear po- earbud yeah. in to listen to like a podcast episode. So like my brain's being fed while I'm still watching them, but I know that they're not going to be overly stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, is that another example of how that works or yeah, absolutely, off? absolutely. And you could even think about it like the environment is so for example, somewhere like a busy cafeteria style would be really beneficial for you, right? Because there's all of that activity and different sounds happening where you don't have to provide that. It's just there. Mm. Or as another example, like when you go to Hawaii, when you're outside eating, you're going to hear lots of birds and lots of like animal sounds probably. So that would also be a great benefit because it's like you are thinking 
of those environments that you can put yourself in that you don't necessarily have to like create all of this stimulation. It's just, it's already there for you to take part in. Okay. Interesting. Like, I know that's cool because no one ever talks about that, the digestion, like any of the podcasts I've listened to, like they only really go, maybe they'll touch on a channel, maybe. And that's about it as far deep as they go. I'm like, this is cool. Like tidbits of information that people aren't going to like talk about, or that they talk about the, the arrows. It's only about like strategy to manifest. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only way I've heard the arrows being talked about. So that's really cool information to hear about. Good. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to talk about it. And um, yeah, I just think that a lot of the information can be complicated, but it's also easy to just make it simple. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't have to be like all of this intellectual stuff. I mean, human design at its base is mechanical. It's all mechanical. It's like, I like to think about, if you think about astrology and human design working together, which I use them both in my business and personally, it's not that one takes away from the other or replaces the other. They can be used synergistically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's because I like to think about it like a computer. So like, I feel like astrology is that more conceptual knowledge. It's like the software that we run on and human design is the mechanical. It's like that hardware that we, that we run on. And so you can use both. You can also just focus on one or the other. Like that's the cool thing is that it doesn't have to be like, well, I use astrology. No, I use human design. (laughs) Like you said, uh, this conscious, like collective conscious awakening that we're having is all about the individual and seeing that it's okay to integrate everything or to integrate one thing. Like it doesn't, nothing is right or wrong. All of these tools are here for us to rise together. Absolutely. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Anything else on the, my chart specifically that can be used, for example, for other people to learn, or I don't know if it's a channel or specific um, gates or anything that needs to be that, that I would love to hear about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did want to talk about really quickly, some of your gates, one in particular, but okay. I did want to mention um, one of the things that I can do in my guidance and my crown of light guidance, if we, if we get the timing right and we know your conception date, um, then we can map out that first trimester and, and see what the potential hardwiring is going to be for the vehicle. And so um I want to explain that super quick. So when we talk about, um, our definition, that's like our, you know, all of those gates that we have defined in our chart, whether that be at our design date or the personality date, 
Um, that is like set definition, right? And that's what we can see. But then the hardwiring that I'm speaking of is actually conditioning that's hardwired into the body, into the vehicle before the soul comes in. So mm. it's like this layer of conditioning that's always going to be there, but you're not going to be able to see it. So of course you're going to want to minimize that, right? If you have that opportunity to do so. So during those, during that first trimester, there are 10 stages and roughly each of those 10 stages, um, aligns with the creation of a specific channel in the body graph to create the vehicle, the body. And so we know what those channels are. And so one of the things that we can do to map that out and to see what conditioning, what hardwire conditioning is going to take place is to look at those channels that you have and to see which channels um, you have hanging gates in. So that means where you have one side, one gate defined, but it doesn't meet connect or anything side. Yes. That's a hanging gate. Okay. And so you actually have three of those, I think that are you have two or three, um, that are a part of that initial process. So those would be areas that we would make sure to try to minimize any conditioning that would happen, because that is when the conditioning will take place is when you have that hanging gate, because it's creating that focus of, for the conditioning to happen. Okay. So just as an example, you have, um, gate 44 defined and that's in the spleen. That's actually your only gate yeah. definition in your spleen. Yeah. And that's, um, the gate of alertness. And this is part of the channel of surrender, which goes over to the ego, the heart center. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the channel that helps create the immune system in, in the body mm -hmm. as the baby is forming as the okay. baby's body, not the baby yet, the baby's body is forming the vehicle. And so there are two sides to this channel. And one side is like the hot, it brings mm -hmm. the hot side and the other side brings the cold side. And it, it, it's like this chemical reaction in a way that's how it like interacts. And that gate 44 is the cold side. So I don't know if you ever, do you feel like you're, you're kind of like cold blooded or anything like that? Have you ever felt yeah, that? Yeah, I way? tend to run. I tend to cold. have a low body temperature. Yes. My hands and feet get cold. Um, even like when I, years ago, I was taking my body temperature for being aware of my fertility cycle. It was like more than 96 degrees area. I'm like, Oh my oh. God. So when I'm nine, like, so when I got pregnant and I was actually more like 98 degrees, it felt so hot. So, hot. so yeah. I'm like stripping all of a sudden, like I have fans <laughs> on me and the AC and a fan on me when I'm during the first trimester and it's fall and uh -huh. I'm stripping topless. So I cool down and not get nauseous. Uh, so, but that's just me like at normal, like 98 degrees. It's <laughs> so yes. hot for me. Yeah. So that stuck out right away to me because that is an area where, so during that first, that first 10, those first 10 stages, that first trimester, um, 
And specifically when that channel is being formed for your baby's vehicle, for your baby's body, you would want to pay attention to keeping yourself warm, but also like trying to just balance that, keeping it balanced so that you're not feeling like too cold or too hot because for any of the channels that are involved, it's just about creating this um, harmony so that you are feeling aligned and you're not feeling like you're being pulled into conditioning to correct it. Does that make sense? Just so that Mm -hmm. you can, um, because that what happens is when you can create, when you can, can you still hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you can create that harmony, then that creates more ease for that vehicle and it, it can properly form with and minimize that conditioning that might take place. Does that all make sense? I think so. And then, um, is the, there, is there a psychological conditioning too? with gate 44 that or was it more of a physical um immunity level because it's a gate of alertness but sometimes the way that they were named does not really correspond very well yeah I understand that yeah so um for this specifically thinking about during pregnancy and minimizing that conditioning it's more that physical okay Um, and then also because you have that undefined spleen, you are, it's really important for you to support your immune system and to do that in a way that's more proactive instead Mm -hmm. of, um, like clinical intervention. Um, I mean, obviously like taking advantage of, of medicine, of, you know, scientific medicine, but it's really beneficial for you with that open spleen to already be taking care of your immune system before you get sick so that um, you can really be aware of what is healthy and safe for you or not using your sacral authority. That's where you want to rely on that gut response every, you know, moment to moment. Um, and not your, not your spleen, because you're not going to have consistent access to knowing, you know, what is healthy and safe for you just intuitively. It's going to be, um, important for you to take care of that proactively so that you can prepare for sickness. Um, but having that gate, and there's a couple other gates that you have that could potentially define your spleen, something with um, undefined spleen people is you might tend to hold on to other people or relationships or even places sometimes if you if it gives you that safe feeling, just because it mm. gives you that safe feeling. And it's not really what's in your best and correct for you, but you just like, you just have to hold on to that safe, healthy feeling because you don't have that otherwise on your own. I see. I see. So that would be an area, um, after your baby's born and you know, their design to look at 
and to see, um, especially with your partner, if you have a partner, like who is going to bring that healthy, safe feeling to them? Because sometimes babies will pick the one <laughs> with the defined spleen, if, especially if they don't have a defined spleen, if they have an undefined spleen as well, they're just naturally going to gravitate to um, the person that has that defined spleen because it gives them that safe, healthy feeling without doing anything. It's just a physical energetic feeling that's taking place for them. Interesting. Oh. So you might find that like, if, especially, like I said, if your baby doesn't have a defined spleen, if they're undefined or open and like your partner has a defined spleen, you might find that they can soothe them faster than you. Okay. If they, especially like um, when they're a little older and like they scrape their knee or something like that yeah. and they like want, you know, they a certain want parent your partner. Yeah. yeah. That can. And so that's an area where like in the fourth trimester and beyond, I could really support a mother or a parent who is feeling like they, like they don't have that connection, but it's really yeah. not personal. It's just the energetics. And so yeah. there are other areas where you can connect and also honor that connection. And that's an area where you could teach your children. Um, you know, I know that you feel like really safe with this person and maybe you don't feel that so much when you're by yourself, but teaching them that they can still make healthy, safe choices for themselves. They just have other parts of their body that they need to learn to listen to instead of that healthy, safe feeling that they don't have all the time. Mm. So yeah. So and like if for like, if I was a child, it'd be like training me to be more relying, feeling out through the, through the sacral, sacral energy, mm -hmm. like, yeah, which is center. Yeah. And, and from what I understand with sacral, it really is more of a physical, like mm -hmm. how a, my body responds, like, is it tightening yes. is it opening? Does it feel like exciting? Like, oh yes. And I, my chest opens up. Um, some Absolutely. people describe it like books listen to your womb. I'm like, that's so esoteric. Sometimes I can't, <laughs> I can't like just doesn't connect a lot of the time unless I'm like in a meditative zone. But so you, that's how, how do you define the sacral, um, yeah. listening? Yeah. Ex what you just said is a really great description. It's really that physical response. And, um, something that if you're not tapped into that sacral is something that you can do, which is what I call a sacral session is literally just having somebody else ask you yes or no questions for like mm -hmm. 20 minutes straight so that you can just, because that's how the sacral responds is yes or no. Mm -hmm. There's no like, well, let me think about it. Like as soon as you start as, as, long, as soon as there's a hesitation, that means it's going up into your mind and that's not where you want to be making decisions from. And so the more you can get into your body and trust that immediate gut response, the better. So I've found like with clients, there's certain little tells, I guess, once oh. you get into a certain rhythm with letting your sacral really respond, the uh-huh, the uh-uh. Um, 
you'll see like what a true yes is and what a true no is. Like I've seen people where they get into this, where they're like swaying and they're like, yeah. Uh-huh. Or if they're a no, it's like, uh, uh-uh. it's like, you think about like a little kid before they can speak. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> that is, that is that guttural response that you want to honor in yourself, even as an adult. Um, and in your kids. So like when your baby's born and as soon as, if you find out they're a generator or a manifesting generator, having that sacral defined, that is something you want to, from day one, help mirror them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The sacral response, asking, posing the questions and offering them things in a yes, no way. Um, reflecting, especially for manifesting generators. This is something I do with my kids. They're both, MGs, both emotional authorities, um, they will say what they want sometimes. And I make sure to mirror that back so that it's an actual response and not them just trying to manifest it for themselves and like pushing it. So, and this is like in simple ways, they'll be like, and they both have defined hearts too. (laughs) So there's a lot of ego and, uh, that forceful nature that can come out if I don't practice being that guide for them and reflecting that so that they can respond. So like, just for an example, they'll be like, one will say, well, I want such and such to eat. And I'll, and I will say, okay, you want X, Y, Z to eat. And then they'll say yes, or "Uh uh-huh. And then, um, because sometimes they'll say no, sometimes once they hear it back, then they'll be like, no, actually, you know, it's like (laughs) you have to give yourself or give your child that opportunity to really respond and to not just force or make things like happen for yourself. Cause that's where they get into trouble. Then they're not really listening. They're not really responding. They're just doing, 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 doing. That's fascinating. Um, And same thing with their ego, because sometimes one will say, I want this. And then you ask them and they say, yes. And then the other one will say, well, I want that too. And Mm -hmm. then, okay, do you really want such and such? And then they'll be like, well, no, actually, you know, because they realize then that they just wanted it because the other one wanted that too. And they're just comparing and wanting to be competitive. (laughs) Yeah, they do that. They definitely do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, and going back to your first question in the very beginning about, you know, how I use this knowledge in my own parenting and how I share my spiritual world (laughs) with my kids and my mothering. And I, that's, I try to make it super simple. I think a lot of times, especially all adults, we overcomplicate things. (laughs) We, we try to explain things in ways that are overcomplicated because we like are afraid of what our kids might like think or like how they're going to respond. Um, we, we anticipate too much, I guess I should Mm. say. And, um, and then we just create more problems for ourselves because I've found in my own parenting journey, when I'm just super simple and to the point, like when they ask me questions or I tell them like what I'm doing, um, I just tell them, I don't make it, I don't like sugarcoat it or whatever. And then they just 
they just get it and they're just like, okay. And then if they want to be involved, they'll ask. And if they don't, they're just like, okay. And they just go about their business. Like today actually is a great example. I was writing out some forgiveness letters for um, the end of 2021 and starting this year. And I was burning, I wanted to burn those um, afterwards to clear them. Mm-hmm. And my younger son came up and he wanted to come in and he saw me writing and he was like, what are you writing? And I just said, I'm writing forgiveness letters. And then he was like, oh, okay. And he's four. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so he's like, well, I want to write too. I'm like, you want to write too? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get my notebook. I was like, okay. So he went and got his notebook. And he came back with his pen and his notebook and he sat there and he kept, um, he kept drawing little pictures and wanting to show me. And, um, I would look and then I kept reminding him, okay, mommy's trying to focus. So can you please focus on your drawing and I'll focus on my writing and then we can talk about it afterwards. And, um, he did that a little while we went back and forth and then he was, and then he was like on to the next thing, you know? And so that's another thing that I really try to practice is like not trying to like when they show interest to just like have that opportunity to involve them because usually they'll tune in for like a little bit and then they're done and they're like on to the next thing. Whereas if I was like, no, you can't do this. Like this is for adults or this is, you know, you're not going to like this or, you know, you're not going to pay attention or, you know, no, do something else. Then that just creates more magnetism, right. For them to want to, you know, be involved. So, um, so yeah, just like being very, uncontrolling like letting go of control really surrendering to every moment and letting them especially because they're manifesting generators to you know be okay with dipping their toe in and then they understand it and then they move on and they do something else and not trying to force them to keep going with something if they're done if they've they've gotten it and they're moving on to the next thing. Yeah. (laughs) Not guilting them into continuing like with meditation, like they'll do meditation with me sometimes, or we'll do it together. And I don't like force them to like sit still all the time. Like, um, just really letting them be here for their experience and not trying to make it into something, not trying to fix it, not trying to make it into what I think it should be mm-hmm. instead of just letting them have their own experience. I love it. Yeah. I completely agree with that with that's how I tend to caretake with children. It's like, I'm not here. It's, it's such a common theme. I feel like, or at least it's what's seen. And what I've seen with parents is like, we want to intervene so hard and play or even just play for them. Like, yes, no, we're here to like set up the environment <laughs> and be present with them when they want us to be present. But if they're like, like I have like a 10 month, not, uh, no, she's 11 months now. She's just like now getting really focused into these board books. And like, I'm not going to disrupt that. Like other parents were like, oh, you want me to read that for you? 
like, yeah. like we're going to go through every single page. It's like, only if they bring the book to you, like they will yeah. tell you even mm-hmm. non-vocally, um, just let them observe and experiment, whether it's chewing on the book or just looking through random pages and then closing it and then looking it like they're give them that space and opportunity to just experiment and not have to force or hover, uh, or think it has to be played it, uh, or be met with in a certain adult way yeah. but I thought that was so cute that he wanted to participate in your forgiveness letters like I want to do it too that is so yeah. cute and then like go off on your merry way yeah. <laughs> when you're done that's a, that's adorable but he's also like not feeling forced to like do the meditation or spiritual things it's such a way to you're mirroring you know like he's he's getting feeding off of what you do like and it doesn't feel like it's it's not a charged thing on either direction and you get to stay more of the I've noticed too is like if you can stay neutral through it all that's or more general generally neutral like you just set up so that no one like really hurts themselves physically bad you know but you're yes. everyone's gonna every kid every person in this lifetime is gonna go through some sort of hurt or bonk as I, I tell my husband this I'm like uh every person's gonna get bonked in life emotionally or physically we're the, our job is to be there for them through it all you know set up the space so they don't get horribly bonked but if they do we're still there for them uh <laughs> whether yeah. it's through a heart bonk or a physical head bonk because they're learning to walk and they ran into a wall <laughs> like, yes yeah like they're, they're learning to experiment but we can't control the environment mm-hmm. we can't control them I mean, we can control the environment to a certain extent, but like we can't control them and what they're here to learn. Like, right. We just want, I just want to be able to be the facilitator of the space for them to be able to explore and learn. Um, and I, yeah, I love that you're able to be that projector guide parent and like really facilitate using that uh, human design to like respond back. That, that's really cool. Cause like, I haven't heard anyone talk about human design, especially with SACL response um in that way like to just even reflect back the question usually they're just like just feel is it a hell yes or hell no (laughs) (laughs) yeah that doesn't quite work with kids like they don't yeah you really have to you really have to follow that you know that rule of life that we always (laughs) I learned probably growing up is practice what you preach So Mm -hmm. kids will always, always learn way more from what you do and what you model for them than what you say. Like they don't, if I would have said to him, well, I'm writing forgiveness letter, which is blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, that would have gone one in and out the other, you know, it's like, but just to sit there with him and for him to see me writing and how quiet, actually, I remember now I, we had the door shut to the bedroom and he, all of a sudden we were like sitting there together writing and he was drawing and all of a sudden he said, this is peace and quiet. And I said, and it's funny because he's actually a six, two like you. And so that's one of our um, synchronicities. We both have that second line. And so I'm sure that he really, that just really clicked for him in the moment that like, oh, this is peace and quiet. And this is actually nice. Like, it's nice to have this for just a little bit. And then he was ready to, to move on. 
but it was hermit time. Yeah. Yeah. And actually going back to what you're saying about, um, you know, them learning their lessons, both of my children have a six in their profile. So my four-year-old is Mm. a six, two and my six, almost seven-year-old, oh my gosh, is, um, a four, six. So they both have that six line and it's so important, especially for six lines to have that freedom to make their own, um, to have their own experiences and to learn their own lessons, because that's what they're here for. That's what you're here for is to go through that trial and error and to ultimately be that role model. That's the sixth line is the role Mm -hmm. model for everyone else and to show us that the value in that process for everyone. Um, and I think I've, I've really seen that some of those six lines that don't have that opportunity and that freedom when they're younger in their first 30 years of life, they really miss out and um, have a lot of conditioning about making mistakes in their Mm. later life where they feel very guilty when they make mistakes or they are super afraid to make mistakes. So they're just kind of stuck in not making decisions or not um, trying new things because they don't want to make a mistake. But the more we can allow our kids to just make the mistakes, they're really not mistakes. The only mistake that we can, that anyone can make is not learning from the experience. Mm. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I agree. Are there other, any other tips, like just general ones for like the different, um, I can't remember the word right now, like for rejector kids. uh, Yeah. The different types, just like any general gists of information for like for children or for parents to know about, like, if I have a projector child, here's Mm -hmm. a couple tips. Yeah. Um, We did a lot with generators and slash really manifesting generators, but generators, I could see there were similarities there. Yeah. I would say the biggest tip is what we've talked about for gens and many gens is honoring that sacral response, reflecting Mm -hmm. that back to them. And that's something you could still do for generators. I just find that manifesting generators are just more prone to like forcing (laughs) things for themselves because they have that such a powerful throat energy um, but like for projectors, manifestors and reflectors, those are the non-sacral types. Yeah. So a big thing for them is really honoring that inconsistent sacral energy that they have. So really allowing them a lot of rest time when you see that their body needs it, whether they are asking for it or not, mm-hmm. it's really important for them to have a healthy boundary for knowing when enough is enough and, um, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but yeah, for all three of those, that's super important. Um, reflectors environment. That's the biggest thing is making sure that they feel like their environment is good for them and making sure that they know that they are um, a special, strong, and wise person, no matter what they feel from outside of themselves, that 
they're, they are a reflection. So really like self-esteem and like, um, learning who they really are and really connecting with who they are so they don't get lost in other people or in the transits because they're actually even more sensitive to the transits than Mm. other beings um for projectors really trusting that they are much wiser than what you might give them credit for especially if you're a, a generator a manifesting generator parent um, who wants to do a lot or, you know, know, do a lot and, um, giving the projector space to just observe and not necessarily do and still Mm -hmm. honoring them for who they are and not what they do. Yeah. Um, and then manifestors really similar to projectors and like learning to trust that they know know who they are and like what they want um but I really um with manifestors the big thing is letting them have a lot of responsibility for themselves and how they impact others like from an early age and letting them have more control and autonomy um you know and letting them really see that when they honor that in the, in themselves and honor their desires and, and how they want to manifest things in their lives, that that's not selfish, that it's actually beneficial to everybody around them when they're living that authentic life and doing and impacting the way that they want to or not and taking those, those breaks as well. That's really cool. I'm excited to see what my baby girl is going to be. I don't know. Uh, We'll find out, but that's also why, like, as a, I guess, mystical mama to be like, I really want to be able to facilitate uh, for the uniqueness of the child that I have and then of the children I have, because some like might need more structure and like need to be out and more stimulated and like want to go and do things, for example, and others like are really going to be highly sensitive and like need more maybe routine alone time and like less stimuli and uh or some kids would thrive in public school and others would be better with unschooling and uh I want to be able to honor that with them and not like force them into one paradigm only um so I'm excited about that and this is really interesting information uh, is this like just doing like child your child readings baby readings like is that a specific session with you can you describe what kind of sessions people can do to work with you yeah absolutely I just want to say to you I'm so excited for you to, to meet your baby and to see what her design is and yeah it's really I do want to emphasize what you said about it being very individual and to not pigeonholing, even if you know they're yeah. a manifesting generator, even if you know they're a manifester, like it depends on so many different configurations and factors. You just never want to, you want to see them for who they are and not what they are. Yeah. Just always keep that in mind, no matter what kind of system you're using or anything. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for you. And I know you're going to be an amazing mom and thanks. 
I'm you're excited. not going to make any mistakes. You're just going to learn a lot of lessons and you're going to have fun. And um, yeah, she's lucky to have you. And I'm super excited. I'm so excited. I've always wanted to be a mom since I was like three and I held my cousin for the first time. Like I've always wanted to hold babies and so I love babies. I even had like a birthing baby, a doll from the early nineties that had that was able to birth a baby, like not necessarily oh vaginally, but like it had a <laughs> belly and like in the dresses where like there was a hole to hold the baby. And then like, you can pull the baby out. <laughs> it's like a birthing doll. That is, <laughs> I had funny. that. And I didn't think about that until a few weeks ago. I'm thinking about like my relationship to birth and pregnancy. I'm like, I guess I've always been really, I've always been fascinated. <laughs> pregnancy and things I even had like a little children's book that I loved that was about how the baby grew in the womb (laughs) wow think about that now oh yeah (laughs) hmm it's interesting now like maybe in another life I was like a midwife or something (laughs) yeah that's so cool I love that just it's it's funny the things you remember too like when you're pregnant and then you're thinking about like looking at the world through your child's eyes and yeah, yeah. I was so into it like my my, my um, aunt who now has seven kids that she homeschools her first one came at nine and then I was just always obsessed with going to visit them and seeing her being pregnant and like oh look from age nine like obsessing with baby names and oh. le- researching their names so uh yeah and so like if I'm like it's finally coming like some, a big like life manifestation I've always wanted is like to have a family and have kids mm-hmm. so I'm really really stoked and um hopefully in the place uh postpartum I can connect with you and be like tell me more stuff about baby girl with her yeah. human design yeah so I have a variety of human design sessions which is what I call my readings um from introduction up through intensive, um, for business or, um, Mm -hmm. shadow work, whatever you would like to explore. And those are all on my website with information. Um, and then my specific program guidance for, um, postpartum and pregnancy is called crown of light. And that's also on my website, but, um, that I is highly, highly personalized. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on where you are in your journey. Um, we can even like, if you have, if your kids are a little older and you feel like you really missed out on that magical transition, we can even talk about how to kind of go through that process again in your own way and rediscover like who you are as a mother so that you can really mother in alignment with your soul and to Mm -hmm. honor who your children are, who your partner is. If you have a partner, um, I also offer relationship readings. So if you're someone who doesn't have kids yet, um, but you have a partner or you want to see the dynamics, like even between you and your own mother, um, that's a great place to start. Um, because the best, the best way to set yourself up for um, pregnancy and motherhood is to really just awaken to yourself first and really embody Mm -hmm. who you are and to start to decondition so that you can then stay connected to who you are through pregnancy and 
watch out for that conditioning, that extra conditioning that can take place during that transition into motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to have, and through that process, you're going to have so many tools at your disposal to be able to offset those challenges that you're going to face in um, the fourth trimester and postpartum. But, um, and then crown of light, like I said, is, is just really highly personalized. So I do offer consultations, um, free first consultations for that, which you can, um, connect with me on and we can set that up and we really go through where you are, um, at in your journey, what your desires and expectations are. And then I would set like a personalized plan for you, depending on all of that. Um, and I work in a variety of ways for that. And I also offer, um, a pay what you can offer for that as well. And if you are in need of that. So, um, and then I also offer some other programs and human design based, um, offerings. So just a little, just a little, just a few things, (laughs) so many things. So human design is your main, um, structure. Do you incorporate other elements or modalities in, or is it mostly like we kind of delve dive in and get coached through the lens of human design with your sessions with you? Yeah. Human design is my main tool. Um, in my, I have a program called nurture by nature, which is a soul level self-care embodiment program. And I do use more astrology in that program, um, because it's a journey. So we go, we, um, learn how to work with the moon and, um, to connect individually with the moon and to journey with mama moon. And so there is, um, a big astrology piece in that one, but human design is like the main tool that I Mm -hmm. use, um, but yeah, I use a lot of different modalities and, um, again, it's so important for it to be holistic. And so Mm -hmm. that we can use the tools. I can be familiar and help my clients use the tools that they need and that they are comfortable with using so that we're not again, pigeonholing anybody into, well, you have to use this or you have to use that. Um, depending on who they really are and what their design is. So awesome. And when is your book supposed to be coming out? Yes. So my book is in production now and it, I haven't set an exact release launch party. We're going to have a big celebration when it's published, but um, I'm hopeful that it will be for February. So this February, um, probably the end of February, but it is available for pre-order right now. And um, I'm excited to, to set the date and to get the book into people's hands. So everybody that pre-purchased um, when I had the pre-sale launch back in December, um, they received a digital copy and the feedback was really, really nice. And I was super excited to hear how much everybody loved it. and it just made people even more excited to get it like in their hands. Yes. And to read it with their families and with their children and, and to just have it in their hands. Yeah. Like you said. 
Awesome. Where are the best places for people to connect with you? So I am on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram is probably the best place to connect with me for my business, Modern Homemaker. My, um, I'm sure you'll link my stuff. It'll there, be in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be there. Um, so click in the notes. And um, on Facebook, I have our free community. So the Modern Homemaker community is a group on Facebook. It's a free group. I have a lot of resources in there. So we have weekly um, human design, ask me anything. We have um, weekly focuses on mind, body, and soul. Lots of past workshops that I've offered that are, are still housed there. So And I'm always like adding things in there as well. So it's just a fun place to be on Fridays. We do a Venus celebration thread, which is always fun for Venus day. So, um, so yeah, I am Instagram, Facebook, and then, um, of course my website, which will be linked. Thank you for sharing all that. Oh, this is good. And I'm like, Hmm, I should be a modern homemaker with you <laughs> Join yes, the group as well. Are there a lot of parents or just, it's just a whole, whoever's just attracted to you coming in, or is it mainly like mamas to be and mamas there? Yeah, there's actually a really wide variety. So, um, I have some older people who have older kids there are single people, married people, partnered people, just lots of different folks. Um, I don't just focus on, on, on parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole mission of modern homemaker is that we are all homemakers for our soul. We make a home for our soul with every breath we take, no matter who we are where we are, what we do, no matter our type, no matter our sign, um, we're all homemakers and it's a universal label, I guess you could say that I really want to take back and make it for everyone. So you Mm. are a modern homemaker already. Um, now I just want to look at your chart and be like, mm, is there a Vesta nearby something <laughs> or the moon really conjunct something, something? We can talk about that offline, <laughs> but I'm really fascinated now. Thank you for joining the podcast, my dear. I really, really was so stoked that you wanted to be on here and we can talk about human design in a way that barely anyone is talking about it, which is exciting. Thank you so much. I was, I just had so much fun and it's always a pleasure to chat with you and to, to chat all the things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you love for joining me on today's episode. And if you enjoyed it, leave a rating and review or share it on your Instagram. Tag me at mystical mama co that way more people can get access to more resources to nurture themselves and their families. Also, honey, did you know that you're not getting all the episodes? Join the mystical mama community on mighty networks today to receive access to all podcast episodes, plus our community and resource library that includes self care tips, meditations, light language activations, yogic recommendations, astrological deep dive and astro courses, plus some information and resources for conscious pregnancy and parenting information. All right, I'll see you next time on the Mystical Mama podcast.